0: We're going to skip next week's podcast because i'm traveling on thursday there's just no way i'm to want to be dealing with editing and posting this the day before i leave you know international trip so we could go a little long today anything you want to get off your chest anything you want to say this is the podcast to do it it all right. Sounds good. Yeah. I just uh, I missed any their breaking news
1: today. I was just uh, helping teach my son how to swim without floaties. So just out of the pool right now, which is uh, fun. And uh, yeah, and you're the man of the hour. You're the we'll start with some sports. We'll get to
0: the, the takes in the Sarah. Like so we we to, did just yeah. do a draft yesterday. That was fun. Yeah let's, yeah. let's absolutely talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So we had to beat Chris list, too. I picked fifth, you picked third, and I knew exactly how this was going to go. Well, I didn't know how the whole thing was going to go, but I knew how some of it was going to go. And I even said on the radio, okay, he's taking Elliott, which means unless Kamara slips to five, I'm going to have a choice. I think the draft starts at pick five, really. I think the first four for me are obvious. I think Elliott's – I guess you could say Henry people take. so, But for me, it starts at five. I mean, for me, it's McCaffrey, Cook, Elliott, Kamara, and then at five I have a choice. So I took Jonathan Taylor – I, I know there's other guys there, but I feel like the, the signal is this is a stud back who lived up to what he was supposed to be. And he's in his second year is completely healthy, running behind a great offensive line and all of that. Well, Naheem Hines is there and Marlon Mack. I think that's noise. What do you think about that?
1: First of all, it's pretty funny. The guy picking pick four uh, was alerted by like a Yahoo notification of a column of me about hyping Elliot. And he knew that I picked right in front of him in this draft. So it's pretty funny. He was able to put two and two together is going to be there for him. I get the Kamara is going to get all the targets there. It's hard in a full PPR to, to, to take him any lower than that. But Taylor's the man with the upside. I mean, just the pedigree there. And once I do worry about a total unknown, um, but I, I don't, don't get in the minutia of the percentage of touches versus right. Marlon Mack or whatever. I mean, it, I think he's a special talent with a really good offensive line and a division that faces just at minimum you're facing the Jacksonville, Houston, and Tennessee defenses six times. So I mean, I, I think it's he's going to be just fine there. I, I'm, I'm happy with with on at the table. I know in full PPR there's some risk, and you re- but I mean there's risk that Dalvin Cook misses two games every year. Who knows McCaffrey and Elliott, my guy, who I also. I might've even said a min on Dak. We'll get to that. But Dak Prescott left uh, practice an hour yeah. ago with a sore arm. So, I mean, there's question marks,
0: uh, surrounding the, the, even the top of the board. Yeah. You were asking if there's any breaking news. I was like, check your fourth round pick. <laughs> uh, you know, that's Elliott uh, Elliot too. I've heard yeah. Elliot too. Um, yeah. It would hurt everybody. You would have taken Taylor in my shoes also. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Okay. All right. So on the way back, this is my choice. The first two beat chrysalis is either Hopkins or Ridley. I, by the way, I picked fifth in both beat chrysalis and the FSGA for some reason. My three biggest drafts are all same spot. I didn't even set my KDS. I forgot because the league filled up and, you know, I don't, it doesn't tell me when it filled up. So there must've been a couple hours in there where you could set it. And I, I didn't do it. So, It's either Hopkins or Ridley and the running backs, you know, I I wasn't interested in any of them in the second round. Uh, I thought about Swift, but I I wasn't going to take him there. So I took Hopkins again, even though his status on taking the vaccine might affect something or get him, you know, missing a game or something. I just think he's just so good. He caught like 110 plus 115 balls last year without an off season with a new QB, a new system. He's still only 29. This is a hall of fame level receiver in his late prime. And in a full PPR, give me Hopkins. I know you like Ridley better despite the foot injury. And then you ended up taking Justin Jefferson.
1: So normally I would have forced, or last couple of years, I would have forced in a running back here. Definitely not doing that anymore, Um, especially in this landscape. There wasn't even anyone enticing at all there. Um, I considered Darren Waller, but passed on him because I had my eyes 100% set on Pitts. Yeah, I just can't get on board with taking a 30-year-old Hopkins over Ridley. Ridley, Ridley with Arthur Smith and no Julio indoors. Uh, He averaged 40 more air yards per game than the next most receiver last year. I like Ridley more. And then Justin Jefferson. I mean, do you realize that this guy didn't even play until like week three, his rookie year, second half, last eight games, 81 targets, 775 yards. I mean, he's the young guy. Adam Thielen, how old is he? Um, Yeah. No, I mean, I would easily take Ridley or Justin Jefferson. Over Hopkins, I think you're crazy doing that,
0: that, but it'll probably end up being close. Yeah. I'll but, bet you on that for sure. If you just want to do, you know, who has more points because for sure. Um, yes, b- yes. Because yes. we'll do 50 on that. We've got to email it. Okay. But the, Hopkins is not 30. He just turned 29 in June. So he's just 29. He's not old. And this is a Hall of Fame-level receiver. Last year, he got 160 targets and 115 catches for 1,407 yards. This is every year for this guy. Out of the last six years, four of them, he's had over 100 catches. You know, Larry Fitzgerald, into his 30s, into his mid-30s, was getting 100 catches a year. This guy at age 29, and I don't think he's any more likely to get hurt than your guys, is a 100-catch floor. You know, there's no, well, you know, what if Jefferson, who's – the the thing about uh, second-year players – which is a little worrisome is that he's never been a superstar in the NFL before, you know, what's, what's going on in the off season. Has it gotten to his head? Is he, you know, has he, he changed things? Probably not. Most guys who are really that good as rookies are good again, but he has, he's a little bit, things are different for him than they were last year. And Hopkins, things are exactly the same, except that he's more familiar with the offense. AJ Brown was on my radar. Ridley, I hear you, but you can't double count the air yards. we talked about this, like, yeah, he had a ton of air yards. And because of that, he had like the third most actual yards. That's what you'd expect. Air yards are only useful when you're looking at a guy who's, you know, in the 10th round and you're like, wow, he had a lot of air yards. He could have converted some of those. We know Ridley's getting a lot of targets. We know a lot of them will be down the field with Matt Ryan and where Matt Ryan is as a quarterback at age, whatever he is, 38. I like Ridley too. and My biggest issue with him is just he came off of foot surgery and uh, give me the guy who's totally healthy six touchdowns and those 160 targets for hopkins
1: seven touchdowns and 150 targets here before but he does have a couple or a few big touchdown seasons on his resume and maybe Kyler murray's injury really did was 100 percent the reason for the second half decline and boy the market is with you on this i mean he's going right early second round in most drafts so maybe i'm just being harsh on ageism and being overhyped on these younger guys so obviously in a ppr
0: hopkins is pretty pretty damn safe Yeah. I mean, I think it's close, you know? I mean, I I don't think it's like a slam dunk. I had to think about it, but in the end it's just like, I I think there's something, I mean, you might not agree about Hopkins, but I think he's a hall of famer. One of those guys that's just, what's funny
1: is you didn't even used to like him that much because he's not that explosive you know so i like you turned around on that i like that you turned around on that well you know what's even more important than that question is actually where would you have drawn the line on the rb2 clyde edwards hilaire joe mixon antonio gibson all went right before like obviously you'd take barkley but what if any of those three backs had slipped because that kind of is the line for me
0: do you agree with that or would you have taken hopkins still I would have thought about Edwards Hilaire. I would not have taken Mixon. And I don't think I would have taken Gibson with the toe, although I see the upside for Gibson. And with guys like Gibson, it's like, it was kind of like Cam Akers who got hurt. It's like, can Gibson hold up with a heavy workload with this toe problem? We don't know. It's, he's never really done it. He's had, you know, a half season at the second half of last year. He looked really good. Um, Edwards Hilaire, same question. Although I probably would have taken him just because the team context is so good, but I don't know. I mean, basically I would have had to think about it if Edwards Hilaire were there. He or Hopkins, okay. but Fair. but definitely not the other guys. And once Edwards-Laird went, I was like, okay, I'm definitely taking a receiver. Swift was another guy I would have considered, I guess. I did consider, but uh, I went with the receiver. I, all four of those guys are like Hopkins, Ridley, Jefferson, Brown. I'm not too. It's, it's, if By I perhaps, do Right, right end of, the, end of those four I don't, I don't really care that much but I'm So round
1: go. three I wanted ETN For sure I mapped it out I heard you talking on XM Though I knew there was a good chance You'd do that But uh, according to ADP Should have been there I wanted ETN in the third And Pitts in
0: the fourth uh, It comes to the third pick And you go with the rookie back i go with etn you know jeff and i talked about it and then jeff did it, it he got the min pick at the last pick of the third round uh, and i thought okay he, i was happy with that for him and i'm like five picks earlier i know dalton's gonna take him it's exactly the kind of guy you're gonna take and so i either take him now or don't get him and if mclaurin had fallen one more spot i might have taken mclaurin and let you reach for etn but when he went i like alan robinson a lot also and i could have taken him But I also kind of wanted a running back. Like, I I feel like there was there's receivers in round six, seven, eight, nine that I don't mind. And the running backs there get really thin. And so it's kind of stealing from your playbook what you did with the pitchers and what you've done with the running backs. But I was like, I'll just go running back heavy. And even if it looks bad on paper in terms of what I need yeah
1: no. afterwards we both went receiver round two so I'm with you don't the receivers too deep to take another one in round three um, and ETN definitely is that running back dead zone with question marks a rookie on a team that just went one in 15 last year that had a feature back and they also brought in Carlos Hyde but in that same column I know you didn't read it but that same column that I talked about that I hyped Ezekiel Elliott the other five backs that I said I'm higher on the market was ETN man. it's because of the upside especially in PPR he was used like crazy as a receiver compared to other college played that last year obviously the lawrence connection they might have a superstar at quarterback with a bunch of interesting weapons at whiteout and who know i don't know about the coach and the offensive system but etn put up video game like numbers and i think at minimum in ppr he's going to help you and he could just have a bunch of touchdowns too i mean he could just be you know he's really good you look at the workout metrics and all the guys that study the college film more than me the roto viz
0: the mario puigs of the world they love they like him, so i'm in too yeah. I mean, think about this. I and mean, this is the easiest way to look at it is in 2022, if ETN is the 1.1, is that shocking or is that? No, that's, that's totally imaginable that, oh yeah, ETN, McCaffrey, who do you like better at 1.1? You know, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I've got a bunch of those guys. It's like, I've got Taylor and ETN. Those are the guys that you could easily see on all the magazine covers next year. And it's like, well, who do you take ETN or Taylor? Right. I mean, that's, that is not, that is not like, doesn't take a lot of uh, stretching to imagine that.
1: Yeah, no, and I was even, even reading like nerd stats. Like, I guess the Clemson's offensive line really uh, took a step back the last year, and he didn't get nearly the same amount of yards per before contact. You know, the, but still balled and was like, this looked like a star out there. So, yeah, I think he's going to be. But again, we don't know. He's never done it the college level. I'm sorry, above the college level. So there's a risk, but whatever. Mid round three. I mean, I, I think it's worth it there. I, I would have grabbed him. Like I said, I mean, I obviously took a risk. I took a rookie tight, The best, the most receiving yards by a rookie tight end, I believe, is Jeremy Shockey with like 850 or something. And it came right. with like two or three touchdowns or something. But I think Pitts is a unicorn. You know, he's like Calvin Johnson, bigger wingspan than Calvin Johnson. I always say that Ayuk has the same wingspan. Um, I saw it in your write-up in Ayuk's magazine, you called him not big. And I took... Umbrage with that since his wingspan is Calvin Johnson. Anyway, uh Pitts is like a unicorn, Arthur Smith taking over. He has big plans for him. No Julio indoors and like no running back or defense there. I went all in. I think I probably set the men there, did I, on the third round with Pitts? I just think tight end is the, the one position that's so, so different, obviously. And I did pass over my guy Kittle. I love Kittle. Like my own brother, man, I told uh, Ted Bell, gave me a hard time. But, um, you know, he's uh, going to miss two, three games minimum. They don't ever throw to him at the goal line. He's, he's a great blocker. It's the best real life tight end by a mile, even better than Kelsey. But fantasy, um, maybe it was, it, was, it was too much. But what do you think about Pitts there in round three in a non-tight end premium league? Yeah, it's
0: it's bold. I, I got pitched in the sixth round and Beat Chrysalis one. So I <laughs> hope better. you're right. That's yeah. better than three. Yeah. Yeah. You got you got the you got the min and I got the max. But I can see it. I mean, again, like we're trying to win the league, but not just the league. We're trying to be contending in the overall. It's not like baseball though, where you know it's really about those playoff weeks. It's not really about who has the most points overall. So some upside matters, some luck matters, but you just want a team that can. I mean, look, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind winning the 1500 bucks or whatever, but like, and some side bets we're going to have and things like that. But you know, I really want to have a team that's loaded for the, for the playoffs and I, I can see it. So,
1: okay. So, so coming forth, I'm going to bring you back to this. Uh, Josh Allen went one pick before me. I would, like I said, I was set to go ETN and Pitts. I like Lance later. That's my, my tackle quarterback, but if not, um, I'm taking a Dak Prescott, which I did, you know, obviously this arm injury before the Deontay Johnson, Robert Woods, Julio Jones is of the world. Chris Carson's of the world. And that's something I never would have done in the past. But I love that offense. Most combined plays per game last year. The fastest just loaded weapons. I mean, so you did not. And here's why I, the thing that, that bothered me about that is Brady going in round seven and Russell Wilson round eight. Uh, you know, I didn't like it as much seeing those bargains, but I'm still on board with taking the quarterback early. Josh Allen, Prescott, round four and five.
0: I did the we same did. thing. I did the same thing. I was desperately needing a receiver in round six, and I took Herbert. And I did it because he had the worst offensive line in football. According to pro football focus last year, they invested heavily in the offensive line and his running back. The guy who's going to get the most snaps. The position is basically another receiver. So the whole offense is running through Herbert and he runs and he runs for touchdowns. So to me, this is like an ideal situation. We'll see if the new coaching staff, you know, is better. I was going to say,
1: that's the best. I think addition by subtraction, it has to be better, man. That might be the biggest factor. There there are some worries, some things like he excelled under pressure, the non-sticky stats, you know, it was mediocre when it was a clean pocket. But the coaching staff has just got to be a dramatic help, man. They were putting him in terrible positions, running on constant first and tens with bad running backs. Yeah, no doubt. I, I like Herbert. But there were some bargains later. That's a, that's a problem. But still, these rushing quarterbacks. Yeah, taking Herbert over Russell Wilson is actually interesting to me. I mean, through 40 touchdowns and he runs. I mean,
0: now they have a faster So does Herbert. Ballroom. How many touchdowns yeah, did Herbert no, score on the ground no, last year? No. No, just off the top of your head, how many rushing touchdowns did Herbert have I don't know. In 15 Dak, games. Dak usually gets six a year, so I'll say Six. Come on, six is ridiculous. He had five touchdowns five, rushing, yeah, but know, that's a lot. That's a lot. I know. And, and, and the other thing is they don't really trust their sort of early down backs. Josh Kelly or something is going to be the early down yeah. guy. I mean, I like um, Rupert. yeah. Good. Yeah. anyway, okay. a six round. So I got him in sixth round, uh, but I, basically I did the same thing, right? I went heavy running backs. I took Miles Sanders in the fourth round over Cooper cup, who I like, because I, I could see Miles Sanders being a first mm-hmm. round pick next year I mean he's only his third year he doesn't have a lot of mileage ironically based on his name he is in the same situation as last year except the line should be healthy again and Jalen Hurts is probably an upgrade over Wentz we'll see if he can hold the job but people are taking that guy like 10th overall last year yeah he was horrific
1: uh, as a receiver last year but he was pretty good as a rookie or at least he racked up the catches uh yeah i mean hurts could make him sw- yards per carry skyrocket didn't he have like an 85 yard touchdown run when he took over uh sanders did yeah uh, yeah i mean he's an upside guy for sure there's no one real- else really there like uh carry on johnson with a knee brace isn't he there um
0: yeah they have I like
1: they have another guy i got kenneth gainwell who's a receiver and we'll see if he, no, he might take he might take all the receptions with how right. bad sand sanders graded 45th out of 46 running backs receiving last year at pff i think only ronald
0: jones was worse but um so no, a couple no, maybe of maybe drops know. you know the thing about that which is deceptive is like i don't maybe. know what the rating is but maybe you get a couple bad drops and it totally. destroys your ranking and Possibly. you know whatever it's just a lack of focus for a second or whatever's going on but anyway i was happy with that and then on the way back in the fourth round then before we get to herbert uh, i mean i took sanders in the fourth you took prescott on the way back i'm like okay I know I need to punish you because I know you're looking for sermon because you only have Zeke and you're, you're looking for your second back. And I know you love sermon. I know you're going to take him. This is just obvious, but I wanted Chris Godwin or DJ Moore And it's two picks from me. And I just say to myself, I should punish Dalton, but that's not a good way to draft. I'm going to take Moore or Godwin. If they fall to me, I got to take one of those two. And then they both go like when you have two guys lined up and not just one guy, you get sniped on two in a row then I was like, Thielen was on my list. He was my next pick. But I was like, you know what? Screw it. If I didn't get the guys I wanted, I'm just going to, A, take a guy that I like and punish Dalton. So were you pissed when I took Sermon? Yeah, I would have loved Daryl
1: Henderson, too. What about him versus Sermon? What would you have thought of? He only went two picks before.
0: Oh, I love uh, Daryl Henderson, too. I yeah. kind of forgot about him. I think after I think I have Sanders a little ahead of him. And then I didn't even think I was taking it back. And then I saw Henderson go. I was like, oh, yeah, Henderson. You know, he was gone. And so oh, yeah. Was,
1: I, my guy, I, my guy, Ayuk went early five above ADP. Anderson and then Sermon for sure because of my team. I did not; I only had one running back, and it was round five. So, yeah, I absolutely would have taken Sermon there, um, even not being a homer. I it fit my team perfectly. So, yeah, I, I was upset. Right, and then I almost, almost uh, counter. You know, then then, then shifted to Miles Gaskin, a boring guy, but looking at a ton of volume, and then I almost passed on him twice, but he didn't make it back. What are your thoughts on a guy like him? I mean, he really is projected to get all
0: the touches. He didn't hold up last year doing it. And I think that's just a thing. It's like a pitcher that just can't throw 180 innings, a running back that can't handle 250 carries. Most people can't. Maybe it was just bad luck that he got hurt, but until they do it, I just don't know that you can say they can do it. And so I like Gaskin. He seems like he's good. He catches passes. You know, Salvin Ahmed doesn't seem like a lot of competition, but yeah, I hear you. I mean, but I love that you lost Cup Ayuk, Henderson, Godwin, Moore, Sermon, Thielen. And those are probably all guys you wanted and they all went. And so then you took Higgins who I think is fine. No, it's okay. Cause I
1: like Higgins. I like, I like Higgins more than, than I, I, like, I like him. I'm buying, I'm buying the hype on him. He showed up looking great. And then people, um, although I did take him over chase. I like normally when chase goes ahead of him, but I mean, chase hasn't played football in a year and he's a rookie. Um, maybe that was a mistake, but I do like Higgins and Beckham, who I was down on last year. Both those guys. I have is like my top 22 wide receiver board. So I was actually happy with full PPR, whatever I, I shifted, but definitely I usually have more running backs through seven rounds. Only had one back in this
0: track. Yeah. So Beckham, I love Beckham as a player. I'm a Giants fan. He's one of my favorite players of all time, but I just don't know that he's the same guy. He did have that one three touchdown game last year where he looked like it, but yet another injury. I just don't know if he's himself. So that's the problem with Beckham. I guess that's why he's in the sixth round, but it's not just, Mm -hmm. can he click with Mayfield or whatever? It's like, is he even Odell Beckham anymore after Mm -hmm. all the injuries he's had? And so maybe torn MCL too. yeah, yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So I take Herbert. I thought about Hawkinson. I thought about Mark Andrews. I like Hawkinson there, yeah. Especially with Brady later or Russell Wilson.
1: Oh, I think he blew it there, Hawk. Tight end is the thing, man. Because after him, it's a
0: total crapshoot. Just a total, total crapshoot. Yeah, I like Andrews also. But after that tier, I've got pits oh, right! Oh, and andrews was there too yeah, I, yeah. Okay. my bad my bad I, I passed on andrews well here's here's my thinking and i could have taken hawkinson actually but i was like i have andrews everywhere so i'm not going to take him yet again yeah, sure uh, and then and then i was like so what do i so but a- i have andrews ahead of hawks so i wasn't going to take the guy below and although it is kind of a coin flip it's not like it's not like a, a huge lean but i was like give me the quarterback that i think is i have him as like my number five qb herbert i think i moved yeah. him up to number four with zach Dak, with Dak's arm now if Dak turns out to be fine i'll move Dak ahead of again but for now i'll back down to number I'll, seven i'll also do herbert versus wilson and herbert versus brady um i will do herbert versus brady for sure wilson i think has maybe a better floor even though herbert i think has a better ceiling but i'll do i'll do herbert brady just straight up if you want in nffc scoring and get the six point touchdowns
1: herbert probably okay. certainly has a higher adp but the other wilson okay it's fine sure i said it so yeah 50. 50 bucks All right, 50 yeah.
0: bucks for that and what was the yeah. other one we did it was we we'll have to run the tape. You edit it, so you'll be able to oh uh, yeah you'll I'll, I'll email get Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, so Herbert Brady, um market uh and i and i like brady too and i you know brady in the seventh is look pretty. at me uh, <laughs> standing yeah. for brady here yeah uh, by uh, the way one that
1: i did it you probably don't you may not realize but i was actually pretty set on grabbing Devonte smith too you you i didn't know oh. and, and jarwin later too i was pretty like they were in pen wow. jarwin and wow. Devontae smith is more upside than cooks whom i ended up taking by the way and someone called me out on the on twitter being like was that an auto pick dalton with all these question marks like i, I guess Hook, cooks is a little bit more boring than my picks but that wasn't like above ADP and do you realize how good that guy was down the stretch last year? Yes, it was Deshaun Watson, but how is he not projected for 160 targets? There's no one else there. They'll be down from if it's Tyrod Taylor.
0: If it's Tyrod Taylor though, they just won't throw very much. You know, he'll he'll it'll be a running game last and they'll year. Well, I don't I mean, know. will be facing three defenses in the second half. That'll just be a, a
1: shit show of, I, I don't know. I like Cooks. I like Cooks there. I'm, I I like using him in a flex too uh, in full PPR. I don't know. I was happy with that. I, and, and I get the boring veteran. Like there's not a there's no upside or touchdown or whatever. That's why I like Devontae Smith more. But I mean, Tyler Boyd went
0: one pick after, but you're going to give me a hard time for Cooks. I mean. Cooks has never been that 150 target guy. I don't know if he's big enough to take it. He might be sort of a Deshaun Watson. He's really good. He's actually been durable except for that one concussion year. He's played. He's getting 1,000 yards every year, but he's like a 1,000, you know, with seven touchdowns or six touchdowns and 80 catches. You know, he's, he's not the guy who gets 100 catches for 1,400 yards. It's just never been him. Maybe this is the year, but I, I don't think so. I, I just think he doesn't have the build, he doesn't have the frame to do it. He um, did the entire second half last year. And uh, Anthony Miller is you're trying to talk yourself into the 20th round. I got him. Well, anyway, so you got cooks. I got Smith. I mean, I'm worried that Smith can't really get more than a hundred targets too. I mean, Smith is six That's feet right. 170, but he's a top guy on my board. He's the number one receiver on a better team than the Texans. And so I, I took him. So I got Smith. You got cooks. Then you took Damon Harris. So I have zero interest in, in this format. I took Jarvis Landry, man. Jarvis Landry to me. I love Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is going to catch at least eighty passes if he's healthy, maybe ninety, maybe a hundred passes, and that's it. That's him and Beckham. And Beckham's injury prone. And I love Landry in round eight. What's the?
1: Go ahead. He's like Cooks just without. There's no Beckham on Cooks' team, but
0: a better quarterback and a better system. Oh yeah, I mean Landry. Landry's got one hundred fifty targets before. He's tough. He weighs like two ten. Look, Cooks is a little. older. older. Surgeries, yeah, yeah. All right, but Uh, I I had to take
1: Damian Harris just because of our bets. Uh, Pretty funny, by the way. I took him, I think, six rounds ahead of uh, your boy Singletary, and we have a bet of them straight up. (laughs) uh, Well, you actually debated him. I I debated uh, A.J. Dillon with that pick, and he nearly came all the way back to me. But there was one other guy that I'm that, that I'm similar to. But again, you stole
0: stole A.J. Dillon from me. Yeah, so I'm taking your guys, which I like. So now, you know, I, I've got like a lot of depth at running back because around round nine, I take AJ Dillon. So I've got Taylor, ETN, Sanders, Sermon, Dillon. And yet I still am starting Hopkins, Devonta Smith and Landry, which isn't bad. And I think Landry's just an every week starter. He may not have the upside for like a 180 yard week, but he's an every week starter and Hopkins is the same thing. So like, you know, maybe it's Devonta Smith is really good or maybe I have to use Traquan Smith who's. By far, you know, talk about Brandon Cooks being the only game in town. How about a guy with a little more size and, and not quite as much speed, but still has speed being totally the only game in town in New Orleans until Michael Thomas gets back?
1: Yeah, there was some talk that he looked like a much improved receiver early on too, but that could be Taysom Hill, some ducks. But yeah, I, mean, I took Michael Hardman two picks earlier,
0: home run type picks. It's, yeah, you fine. took two of them. Well, because you have a lot of receivers, you took Hardman and Rugs, who are both zero floor, high ceiling guys, right? Like they might right. just suck or they might be huge. You took Ronald Jones. I actually like Ronald Jones. I think they're going to need an injury though. I, I, well, the, the positive well, Bernard, for Bernard, I should have got Bernard later. Bernard's going to take the, all the catches. The good thing about Ronald Jones is Brady will throw. On early downs to his backs, too. Like, even though Ronald Jones sucks as a receiver, Brady always throws to the back. So he'll get 25 catches just by playing with Brady. All right, but I get A.J. Dillon, you get Ronald Jones, you take Hardman, I take Traquan. on the way back, everyone was trying to, you know, you shouldn't have done this, this. is bad form. You table-talked Gronk that I wanted Gronk during the draft before Gronk was taken. Know, that was
1: bad form. Sorry, but you kept stopping my guy. I was bitter. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, I knew you, you were know bitter. You called me out on it, too. But that was yeah. bad because yeah. I I lied that's to sure you call me about out after I took the guy off the board. Yeah, like I no no that's fair. I'm sorry. Board. That no,
1: was bad form. All right.
0: No, no problem. He probably would have taken him anyway, the guy. But I went with Irv Smith instead, thinking I might get Gronk on the way back. And, of course, I didn't. And... Irv Smith, man. Irv Smith is like showed up jacked. There's only Thielen, who's old and injury prone, and Jefferson there. It's a good passing team. He is the number three receiver. There's no real number three receiver besides him. And they throw to Cook, but like, you know, he'll get 50 catches. He's not going to get, you know, 85 catches. I mean, I think Irv Smith could be a massive breakout. I think he was a second round draft pick. And he showed some signs. They use him in the red zone sometimes. I love Irv Smith this year. How dare you disrespect former
1: Bolitnikov winner Didi Westbrook. No, I, I I seriously hyped that dude, but he just signed with Minnesota. I like Irv Smith there. That was I I uh sign off on on drafting him ahead of uh
0: Rob Lankowski actually. So I I, yeah. I love Gronk. I, I just felt like I have so much Gronk, I was gonna mix it up. And I thought I was gonna get Gronk on the way back, but I didn't. So you take Trey Lance. Obviously that's just your guy. Obviously ton of upside. It'll be good. Now the Dak hurt his arm. You may need to start Trey Lance or Garoppolo week one. Maybe that's all you're going to have. And so now then I got Hilton who you don't like, but in round 12, I love him. I still think he's, I still think he's going to lead the Colts in targets. I think Pittman has more upside because he's big and could get, you know, 10 touchdowns if, if it pans out, but Hilton's 31. He's a small guy. He's not one of those guys that, you know, has a lot of weight on him that ages badly. I don't trust Wentz that much, but I think he'll get like 110, 115 targets. I think he's going to be useful. It's possible. I mean, these are all darts here. There's
1: what if Paris Campbell could stay healthy, more upside. Same with Pittman. Wentz throws the ball to tight end more than any quarterback in football. That's why the sneak, you know, who wasn't drafted is Mo Alley Cox. That guy's a real deep sleeper. Wentz, I, he throws to his tight end, at least in the past, more than any QB. I wonder if that translates to the new franchise, but um, okay. Hilton was pretty good down the stretch. Maybe it was a healthy thing the first half and he's not, you know, he's 31, not 36. Yeah. So, okay.
0: And he still, and he was really good. You know, I remember there was a, a piece Uh, players tribune by Chris Harris, the cornerback. And he was saying like, who are the five toughest receivers? And he mentioned Hilton is one of them. Now that was like four years ago, but this dude is good. He's a good player. All right. So wait, this, hold on, this guy, um, this betting guy follow on Twitter.
1: I forgot his name, but uh, he's pretty good stuff. And uh, he articulates Wentz a little better than I have been able to, by just saying YPA. He, He basically uses EPA on third down, essentially Wentz had an amazing three months on third downs that one season it's like the most unrepeatable thing ever. Like people's view of Wentz should just be more of last year and not of that one MVP year, unless he's he, basically what he did is completely unsustainable. And it was all in the most unsustainable stats on third down that only the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the world can keep up like Peyton Manning in their prime. So I, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm down on Wentz and it's a guy who likes Taylor, but he led the NFL in, in, in turnovers and sacks last year. And he played and 12 fumbles. games and fumbles and he, and he played 12 he games.
0: He won the I mean, triple crown. Games. He won the triple and crown he, and he played four games. fewer games. So well, I don't know. Well, no, no. I think somebody surpassed him in fumbles by the end, but when Rather, he not, was not sacks or turnovers, though, he led sacks right. turnovers, but when he was pulled, he led in all three, which is, right. you know, I mean, that's right. the, and, and he was terrible. And when his uh, completion percentage ticked up, his YPA stayed the same. He never really got better. You're right. He had that unsustainable third down thing. It, he's, I don't think Wentz is very good, but in his defense, the whole Eagles offense collapsed last year. They, they didn't have, you know, Rieger was hurt. Deshaun Jackson got hurt. I think he was on the Eagles for the first week. Two, like, pro bowl-level offensive linemen got hurt. So, like, that that team was kind of in a shambles offensively. So, I, I think the Colts Indo- are going to— Indoors, Frank Reich, good offensive line. and Right, and they lost Frank Reich. To the Colts and that, you know. Also, so I, yeah, I, I think that uh, they're going to hand off a lot and just make it easier for Wentz. And somebody's going to be some of the pass catchers. Maybe it will be Mo Ali Cox. All right, Kenneth Gainwell. I get after that. Uh, I don't take the handcuffs to my backs unless they're also the top back on my list. But I will if it's like top running back. I'm like, okay, Sanders is no sure thing. He wasn't good last year. Gainwell was a great pass catcher in college. He's one of those really short guys that isn't that. You know, he, he's he's stout. You know, he's small but stout. I took him. You took uh, Darrington Evans for God knows what reason, and then oh, took, really? I like him. You, why? Uh, just because you think that if Henry breaks down, that's the guy. There's been a lot of hype about how much better he looks. And he's
1: a clear number two, and you just keep talking about how Henry has 800 carries the last two years. So it seems it seems to me like he's one of the more what well, he you know he's right there with the uh, I don't know. He's just a tick behind the Madison's, Latavius Murray's, Ken, uh, Kenyon Drakes of the world for me. Okay,
0: and then you took the Niners' defense because partly because it faced the Lions week one. It's a good matchup. I take Aguilar, the number one receiver on the uh, – you took Jacoby Myers, the next pick. I that think I, they have the best players too. They, we'll see who stays healthy for more than two weeks. but Fair. Too uh, soon, as you like yeah, to say, yeah. too soon. So, so Aguilar, <laughs> they paid him two years, 22 mil to come in. And Aguilar was good last year. I mean, you had Henry Ruggs and you had Brian Edwards and you had – can't even remember who else was on that team. All these guys – and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Aguilar is their number one guy and made plays. And then the Patriots saw the tape and were like, we like this guy. He's a former first round pick. And they signed him to a, a pretty significant deal. Now I don't know if it's Cam or it's going to be Mac Jones. But, you know, you took Myers with the next round. But I, you like Myers better than Aguilar straight up? Uh, just a little PPR, but
1: Myers actually has not scored a touchdown yet. I don't believe, and Aguilar drew like a bunch of pass appearances last year. No question. He was really good. One of the most improved players in the league, as far as I could tell. Um, but yeah, I have Myers ranked slightly higher, but I'm not going to offer you another $50 bet here. It's fine. Okay. I mean, who knows? who's going to emerge. there. I do think Mac Jones, boy, I hope it's Mac Jones sooner rather than later, though, with my Damian Harris grab.
0: Yeah, that's right. That, that's huge for Damian Harris. Like who's going to get the goal line carries and you hope they don't do like a, a Sean Payton and put in cam Ooh, yeah, and goal nice. line packages. Then, then, then Harris is toast. You'll end up dropping him. Yeah. I get the chiefs kicker in round 15. I couldn't pass on it. I just, it just seems like with the kick, you know, the scoring that they have and the chiefs are just the most automatic team. Tucker had already been taken, so and the Bills kicker Szlaski <laughs> took him in round thirteen. So I took the Chiefs kicker; that was easy. I got. A, I, then I took a kicker who's on
1: pup. Well, I guess the team kicker is huge for me because Zerline's on certain on the pup list. But yeah, right. I like Dallas kicker. I'm, I'm Hey, I'm, I'm stacking with my Zeke, uh, Dak, and Dallas kicker here. So good thing uh, Dak's just just tore his uh, Tommy John surgeries in well, store for him. A lot, lot of field
0: goals. No, they won't. Have to yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, it'll be huge for you. Yeah, and uh, Lance, anyway, I'm okay actually with Lance. we we'll Yeah, right well. Here. You got Garoppolo is going to be your QB for like ten weeks, and Lance, maybe the fantasy playoffs he could carry you, but you probably won't make the playoffs with Garoppolo. But we'll see.
1: Niners fantasy playoffs, it's hilarious. It's the Bengals, uh, Falcons, Texans, and and whatever name the weather worst lion, uh, whatever it is, it's the four worst
0: teams you can think of. In the, in the Niners fantasy playoffs Get Sermon's going to be a beast. All right, so I think the Browns defense—they've got Clowney and Miles Garrett rushing the passer, uh, and I like that. I like uh, that too. And then, and then the thing is their offense is better. Now their offensive line is good. I mean, honestly, you could draft defense based on offensive line alone. Almost it's like the offensive line is controlling the game and keeping, you know, keeping the, uh, your defense fresh and the other defense on the field. And then they have a lead and then, you know, they've got a, they've got a pass that's the ideal situation. So I, I like the Browns defense. i um, like a t- top five for me.
1: I drafted Higgins. And I, I mean, I, I like Burrow as much as the next guy, but that dude has to face the Browns, Ravens and Steelers yeah, <laughs> six yeah. times. I mean, yeah, I, I'm with you. The Browns are right there. Like the,
0: those three might literally be top five, three of the top five. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not ideal. <laughs> Okay, so then uh, you took yeah you took the Cowboys kicker, I took the Browns defense, I take Blake Jarwin as my second tight end. Did, yeah, swoop me But I, I like Everett. I almost was like maybe I should take Everett. So I, that's 50, you fifty. Messed up my
1: stack though. It would have been nice for my Dallas stack there with, yeah. with, with Jarwin. But um, yeah, that I got Everett. And then what? A bunch of stabs in the dark. Oh, you got I got Jimmy G. You got Daniel Jones. That's perfect. <laughs> round, that's
0: so. a, I think homerism is is the right way to draft in round nineteen for yeah. But yours actually was strategic because you have Lance and Garoppolo. So you you, you yeah. had to like pair them. I just have Jones, unlike you we know who the starter is the, the giants actually believe in daniel jones uh, <laughs> unlike the the niners wait how i'm sorry how funny is it that uh zach wilson is is not signed
1: uh I, by the jets i mean it's, you know they really are like they're, they're trying to, to, to defer the signing bonus money a whole year that like has not been done in the, in the last four years with any of these top they're trying days. to cheap they're out, out of them.
0: well the no. thing is, funny is you know jeff and i suggest on the show trade him for darnold you could trade him to carolina for yeah. darnold straight up and then, you know, you start all over again. It's a great idea. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, we'll say, you know, we'll, we'll have lots of ideas for the jets during the year, but that is just, it is funny. It would be funny if he just was like, you know, just trade me. I'm sitting out. I don't like this team. I took the Patriots D only because they played the dolphins. I, Oh, and the, uh, Browns play the chiefs. That's the one offense that you just don't really want to start your defense against. Like they're playing the chiefs. Like, okay, I don't, I'm just going to get another defense for week one. So I took the Pats. You took Ty Johnson. Who's in, in the mix with the jets. I think Michael Carter is kind of, I talked about this with Jeff. Like he's going in the sixth round in every draft. And I know Trey Sermon is just as random, but Trey Sermon, if it pans out is going to be a monster in that, in that offense, even if Michael Carter wins the job, and we don't even know that he has, it could just be whatever it might not even be that big a deal i don't i don't really see michael carter going that early and it's not like Carter is a
1: good pedigree. I can really want to fade Tevin Coleman is watching the last couple of years in the Niners and the jets have a really revamped offensive line. And obviously no Adam Gase and if Zach Wilson's okay. Ty Johnson impressed me over a brief stretch last year. It was really good. He's like, Whoa, we got to use him chief D- chief DFS, but um, a total wild card, obviously, but uh, I don't think he probably goes undrafted in most leagues, but he's a guy I kind of personally like. And I just, the situation, as you said,
0: Michael Carter goes in rounds. So, yeah. Michael. Carter. Right. What's how do we know? Right. I mean, exactly. It could be Ty Johnson. I don't really think. And, And in round 18, the fact that he's on the jets and who knows if they're going to be any good running the ball, that's not something you need to worry about in round 18. You just are hoping to get a a guy who gets some carries in round six. You know, not only does he have to win the job, but he's, you know, he's got to be good if he wins the job. All right. You get Garoppolo. I get Danny dimes. Obviously I crushed you in that round. And then I took Anthony Miller I got, I got swooped in round 17. When I took Jarwin, I Bill Wasofsky or whatever his name is, is a good player. And he swooped me on like five or six guys, which then made me swoop you. So right. like he took Mike Williams. So I was hoping to get, I was like, ah, he took Mike Williams. All right. I'll take AJ Dillon. So you got screwed by that. And then he also took Rashad Penny. So I had to take Blake Jarwin before I wanted to. So you got swooped on that too. And then I got Anthony Miller. He may be the number two receiver there in Houston And then you got Xavier Jones, who, who knows, right? I mean, we're talking Darrell Henderson, but we don't know that he's definitely going to win the job and it's not like he's, well, he can't hold up either. I like the yep. big
1: Like I can guarantee you, Henderson, you won't even see him get a carry in the preseason, right. which is actually kind of confident. You feel good about that. If you have Anderson, right. yeah, you, you know, it shows how worried he is that the guy just cannot stay physically, you know, upright. So I, I don't know. Xavier Jones, whatever round 20, you think it's okay to carry three Q. And I like, I was going to I wonder if someone give me a hard time for drafting Jimmy G too, but 20, 20 rounds. I and mean, it's a pretty deep roster for the most fantasy football league. Really. I play
0: in, you can carry three QBs, but then you probably don't want to have two defenses. Right. right? And right. if you need an extra defense, you drop a Q. I mean, no, you just can't yeah. have everything because you need have three have tight ends, three tight. ends. Right. right. Yeah. I've got two tight ends, two QBs, two defenses, But and a lot of running backs and wide receivers which is really what you want that's where you're going to need the depth anyway I feel good about it I I had fun I I felt like I got sniped a couple places obviously it happens it was a tough room I mean team four I thought was really good the guy in between us was taking a lot of good making a lot of good picks Allen's team is pretty good I like the Chubb Barkley Dobbins Murray Cup Andrews Judy start I thought that Team Team Ten is really good. It's a good. It was a high quality league. I, I didn't feel like there were a lot of reaches. You and I made the most reaches, but they were you know, re- reaches that we wanted. Real man reaches. Yeah, no, they were, it was fun. I'm glad I got
1: to sign up. You, uh, as per usual, didn't give any notice. I woke up to a, oops, it's already been announced. Go uh, go do it. Well, so it, it signs uh, up and really like an, it's
0: it sells out in like an hour. I know. So no, it's good um, Yeah, it was good. Good drafted. Yeah. All right, baseball, baseball. Uh, let's get to I, know, stuff I know too, your teams baseball. are in the top. I know your teams are doing really well. I'm gonna owe you some money at the end of the year. I 3,000 teams in that league, and I literally have my three are all in the top 30 in the Roto-Wire. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Sick. I just, it's pretty, I mean, that's pretty real sick. man goes one, two, three.
1: The exacto. Yeah, okay. You got to get the exacto. Yeah. Yeah. And then I picked up Josiah Gray for $1 and had to drop Bauer in one league we're in. And then the other one, you picked him up for like 20-something. So I liked yeah. that. But uh, we'll yeah. see how much he was. Uh, one thing, two things I want to say. A, about the Rams, I forgot. Andy Benoit, Sean McVay signed. Did he not... For two things, a he's known for his let's call them uh, controversial takes on Twitter. But two, didn't he start at RotoWire? I mean, he did not start, but did he not write for yeah, RotoWire? Okay, he, yeah,
0: he self-published a book when he was like, I want to say like sixteen years old, thirteen years old, like when he's a kid, literally a kid, maybe sixteen. Self-published a book, and I think Peter King got a hold of it and wrote about it in Sports Illustrated. Anyway, somehow we got wind of it. And then we hired him to do like all these sort of scouty outlooks for us. We we did our stat-based outlooks, but he did a lot of scouting, you know, film watching. And he wrote them and, you know, it was good. And now now Faye hired him. as like his right-hand man or something. Yeah, yeah, so crazy. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's been definitely called out on Twitter for some takes. uh, takes But he was a nice kid to work with when when we worked with him. And congratulations. I'm glad he he got a, a good job. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, his whole life, that was the job. That he obviously wanted. He was a kid. He was writing scouting books before there was any market for it, and now he's working in the NFL. So that's
1: no. But before
0: the right after the Twitter stuff, I'm like, oh wait a minute,
1: Rotowire connection. So yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, real one of the quick thing I want to say about baseball before we get to the other stuff is um, uh, this drives me crazy the the fact of teams worrying about trading inside their own division. Is it not literally, literally? the teams you should be actively trying to trade because the point of a trade is to get worse now to improve later. So you would want to match right. the timeline with the teams in your division. Most you want to match, you want to make them better now if it hurts their team in the future. Maybe, but, but you maybe it's the timeline. The I mean, it's insane to me that you would be wanting to trade within the division. I mean, what the world is weird to me sometimes. I mean, it's, it's literally the opposite is what happens.
0: Well, but maybe it's the, the team that's giving away the prospects that doesn't want to trade. Oh,
1: it. but it's the media reports
0: it. The, but the media is always important. It is the seller. But uh, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, right, the media the get, gets it, well, the, maybe the media gets it wrong again. But yeah, it's yeah, possible. The buyer, but it always... If you have a great prospect and it's worth it to go for it now. So you're like, OK, we're going to have to trade Jesus Lazardo, or whoever who could be, yeah. you know, Cy Young winner. And you trade him in the division and he comes back as an ace. You're like, that's horrible. Okay. That's
1: interesting. Okay. Now that at least makes some reason to me. And maybe, maybe it is a two way street and it's not just the sellers that think that way, but I'm not sure that's true. But anyway, it should be interesting. The trade deadline is Friday. So that'll be good stuff for like two days for the, for the weekend fab.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be bananas. And I'm just, so I'm just having trouble. Keeping up with everything You know, this travel LA sucks for Fam It's at, you know, 7 o'clock Well, I mean, you deal with it all the time In Portugal <laughs> 3 in the morning And lineups are due at midnight usually So I can just right. like After everyone goes to sleep I can kind of like at 11 Start to check out the lineups Start to like change lineups And then also like to start putting in my fab bids, go to bed at one. I may miss something that breaks in the last hour, but that's pretty rare. And or I, I don't often see the late game on Sunday night. So something might happen that, that I don't know, but it's just such an advantage to be in Portugal. Not that I'm really taking advantage of it this year, but just in general, <laughs> just it's like, it doesn't interfere with your life. Sometimes I have to wait because Rockies or somebody don't, won't put out their lineup on a Monday and right. it's a late game. So it starts at three in the morning and it's like one in the morning and I'm like staying up for the stupid lineup thing because I don't know which got to put in. But for the most part, I just, I was at the beach club a couple of weeks ago, Heather's dad's beach club. And I was like going to the ocean, I was riding a boogie board and I'm like, oh, I got to get out of here. I got to go to like the back room. Cause there's no like phones or like laptops a lot. I had to like hide somewhere in the back of the room and, and do my moves for 45 minutes. You know, it's just, it's the last thing I wanted to do. So I've been a little out of it, but yeah, I will, uh, it's going to be a lot of things to, to look into after the trade deadline. Uh-huh.
1: All right, so you want to do just a tight 20 minutes on tomorrow's NBA draft before, uh, before we get to that stuff. No, in all seriousness, Liz, uh, I got a buddy who um, listens, and he, uh, he wants me to have some questions to throw at you. Or do you first want to address what I brought up before? And all, where, where do you want to start, man? The floor is yours from, from here on out. But I do have stuff that, that some, 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 some counters to you that I feel like maybe a lot of people listening would love to hear your, your opinion
0: on yeah, no problem. So I don't want to get specific. I t- just feel like pettiness and stuff is not, not worth—it's not worthy of the podcast. I know people like a yeah. good drama. I didn't mean just that, too. Yeah. Is yeah. anything I, else? I like feel like anything else? Well, no. I, yeah, a lot of things. Like I feel like a robust, healthy society, democracy, topics are not off the table. I, I think the noble lie where, oh, we can't say this thing, even if it might be true, because it'll cause the wrong result, uh, is incredibly dangerous, and it's sort of the foundation of totalitarianism the noble lie like oh we can't tell this and you can't talk about this because these bad things could happen and then people in power get to decide what the important things or the bad things that are just not allowed to happen and so then they can regulate what people are allowed to talk about so so the, the first thing is i don't think there should be sacred cows of what we can talk about and if somebody has a really bad idea or a terrible take other people should be able to come back and say no that takes not right and here's why and and have a robust dismantling of that take and i think that's healthy and that's how we get from one place to another. So, so I guess what I'm saying is I talk about some things on my personal Twitter account and I think they're important questions and and, and it's coming up in the context of the NFL, right? DeAndre Hopkins was questioning. I don't want it. You know, there's some rules about if you're unvaccinated and, and there's a positive, you can forfeit a game. And I don't know the exact rules, but DeAndre Hopkins was like, I don't know if I want to do this. And he got destroyed on Twitter. And my point is I stand with DeAndre Hopkins. Not that I'm saying he shouldn't take the vaccine. That's a different conversation. That's you know, up to him and his doctor and his research, but that it's his choice, that I, that he shouldn't be, in my opinion, coerced into taking a medicine that he doesn't want. Um, he's completely healthy, an athlete in the prime of his life, and he may decide this isn't a big risk for me. It may be absolutely the case that he's totally wrong about that and making a huge mistake. It's possible that that's the case, right? Because I certainly don't have any sort of uh, monopoly on knowledge of what the best specific course of action is, and I'm not never going to claim to, but the question is rightly or wrongly, even if he's totally wrong, should he be forced? If you know, he's a grown man, he's making his decision and I just don't think he should be forced. And then there's that's, the whole thing, well, what is forcing, you know, is, you know, are you allowed to do this X, Y, and Z? And I don't think that's the, the question I want to get into because I just think that's a lawyer question. I, to me, it's just not that interesting. I just think if you're taking a medicine that you don't want, that you absolutely do not want, because the consequences, not the medical consequences, like you could get more sick, but the consequences imposed on you by other people are so severe, your life, you know, is just, you just get, end up being kind of coerced into taking it. You know, I think that's wrong. I think people, if they, you know, really believe in this, then they should convince people to take it and they should use reason and they should show how effective it is and how safe it is and how important it is. And all those arguments are valid and good and should be made. Uh, but I think forcing somebody, it's just anathema to a free society. It's against the Nuremberg Code, against forced medical treatments. And I think we should stop looking at people as potential disease vectors who are sick until proven healthy. I think if someone is not sick, doesn't have symptoms, we should presume he's healthy and give him a choice. And by all means make the case to do the thing we think they should do. I, I mean make the case robustly, but not say, you know what, it's not up to you. You have to do this.
1: And interesting to me, some of the responses that that stance uh, has elicited. Um, but OK, so so what I was going to ask you about is 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 basically right in regards to this. It's restricting liberties for greater goods. OK, so so where does this where do you relate? We uh, transfer this in, in when it comes to, say, just laws. So like disallowing the ability to yell fire in a crowded theater. Is that too big of an infringement on the, the freedom of speech for you? No, of course not. Uh, of course you can't yell
0: fire in a crowded theater and cause a stampede. Why not? I'm allowed to say any idea that I want no matter how dangerous you think it is. But yelling fire in a crowded theater is not speech. It's a call to action basically. It's saying go stampede the entrance. And you're not allowed to do that because you're basically saying go trample each other to death. You it, again, it's not it's not speech. It's not saying I believe in this or I believe this is this is best. It's not, uh, there's no content to that. That's being restricted. It's literally a call to action. I'm not mm-hmm. allowed to to say, to hand you a gun and say, shoot that guy, because that's not speech. That's a command to action. So there's a big distinction between that.
1: What, what about like, say the government not allowing cigarette smoking anymore inside? Like what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Actually, I actually would think the restaurants should regulate that and people can decide whether that's, restaurant they want to go to that's got smoke in it. I actually don't think the government should be involved in that, but it's way less of an infringement because if you decided not to take a certain medicine and then you're barred from going somewhere, you are barred, you know, it's when you're smoking, you're only smoking for five, 10 minutes, right? And then you're done. So you could go outside and come back into the restaurant, but if you haven't taken the medicine and you're not allowed in, then you're permanently not allowed in until you do the thing that that they're telling you to do. So it's very different than smoke. Smoking is just a temporary thing you do. I, I have no problem with private restaurants banning smoking, and I have no problem with private restaurants allowing smoking. I don't really understand why the government's involved in that, but it's not, people don't, it's not important enough because it's a five-minute thing, obviously, that some people are really, I guess if you're like a hardcore libertarian, you probably don't like that they're banning smoking, making restaurants ban indoor smoking, but it, it doesn't really bother me because you can always smoke outside and you don't smoke every second.
1: Okay, and if this virus was significantly more deadly, would a vaccine mandate be appropriate in your eyes then? Or should the government never have the power,
0: ever, have that? Well, okay, the problem—okay, so we've got a couple of issues here. One is, before we even get to how deadly it is, we've got to talk about whether herd immunity is possible, right? Because there's some diseases for which herd immunity is possible, and you basically— get rid of this virus forever. Some of the old polio and, and smallpox and things like that, right? Those things have largely been eradicated. Polio is still around in some places. But when you're talking about a, a respiratory airborne virus, the way those go away, like the Spanish flu, which is still with us, but just less potent, and most people are, have immunity to it, is it gets endemic in, in the sense that there is no real herd immunity. What happens is people catch the virus or they get a vaccine. Everyone should read that New Yorker article you linked
1: to in one of your columns about the endemic?
0: Sorry, continue. Right. Continue. So, so an endemic virus is is totally different than one for which herd immunity is possible. So, I think when herd immunity is possible, there's a much more compelling case for the state to mandate things. But there's issues with that too. But there's a much better case for that because it actually really matters the level of of collective immunity and depending on the severity of the virus and, and other things. But first off, if there's no herd immunity, so that's just not relevant, really. Um, everybody's either going to get the vaccine for this one. Or they're going to catch the virus, probably. There's different risk brackets with this one. If it was airborne Ebola that was killing, you know, 70% or 30% of people and it was like that, I think there'd be a much also stronger case for the government to mandate it. If, but I don't think they would have to mandate it because I think people would be fighting each other tooth and nail to get it. So I think that's also uh, something a little bit telling that. The stronger the case, the less the force is even a question. It just becomes automatic. Of course you're gonna get it. Of course you're gonna you're gonna be like, dude, there's one left and me and you are there, and I'm gonna elbow you and, and jab myself before you can get to it because you know this is gonna kill me for sure. All right, okay, very last
1: one. Sorry for jumping around here. Last one for you, okay? In your in your hypothetical with the gun, the gun yeah. hypothetical, if the gun was pointed at your child, would you still not do the push ups?
0: It's not about what you would do or wouldn't do. It's about who's responsible for the shooting. So, you might do all sorts of things out of fear just because you're afraid and, and you do something irrational, even though it doesn't help. But if the guy, if you didn't do them, and God forbid the guy shoots your kid, you're not the guy who killed your kid because you could do them and he could do the same thing. The equation has not changed because you did verbally what he said. And I wrote about this. I said, Oh, so you believe this guy's a man of his word? If you do the jumping jacks, he's going to, he's going to, well, I'm not going to do it now because I'm a man of my word. I'm a murderer. So, obviously, it changes zero then. I, I think it changes zero. I mean, some people might do the jumping jacks, you know, say so it doesn't shoot the waiter because he hopes the guy's a man of his word miraculously. I think that's foolish. And I think he might shoot someone else if you don't get the gun away from him. I don't, I don't really see the logic in it at all. I understand whether it's your kid or not. I don't think that's relevant to the hypothetical. I think that's just you would just be way more afraid probably. And you might react out of fear. But who, whose responsibility is the whole point of the hypothetical is, People are going to blame the guy for the jumping jacks, not the guy with the gun. Now, why not? Why aren't they like immediately, like the guy with the gun needs to be stopped because it's scary. He's got a gun. And a lot of people, the way you respond to this hypothetical is how your attitude toward power is. And I think a lot of people have learned, don't rock the boat. Don't get in trouble. Don't say the wrong thing on Twitter. And their attitude toward power is basically might makes right. So if this guy's too powerful, I'm not going to challenge him. I'm going to challenge the guy who... The guy in power is telling me to challenge because that's a lot easier. I'm going to find a scapegoat. The power is too scary. And I'm going to write another one called scapegoat pretty soon and how this mentality kind of emerges. But people who know better, people with like moral standards and actually a moral compass say Mike doesn't make right that he has a gun. Doesn't make him right. So, if he does something and he's the one who kills somebody, whether or not I do some arbitrary act that he tells me, I, you know that's his responsibility. And I'm not going to blame my fellow citizens for doing X, Y, or Z or not doing X, Y, or Z when the powerful person who created the situation and executed the situation is the one to blame. And that's who we should be pointing toward. What, what really bums me out is I'm hearing this on NPR radio, every station in L.A. It is, I think, is 100% fine, good, healthy if you believe if you're a radio station or you're a doctor and you believe people should get vaccinated, go ahead on the radio and say, we strongly encourage it. It's it's going to make the disease way less severe. This is a, incredibly important for public health. Those are totally legitimate things to say. To say the the spreaders or the unvaccinated and starting to demonize them when they didn't create this thing, they're living their lives. And and, and people say, oh, it's QAnon. They, they read the dumbest sources. They're... Maybe, maybe not, but let's just assume that's true and and they're misinformed. Let's just say for a fact they're misinformed. They're earnest. They don't want to take it. They're afraid of it. They don't think it's a good deal for them. They don't want to do it for whatever reason. They're dealing with a horrible situation too. They don't want there to be a pandemic. They don't want to catch a disease. They don't want to spread a disease. They didn't cause a disease. They're living their lives as best they can, handling situation with the information as best as they can interpret it genuinely. And people want to, you know, caricaturize them like, oh, they're just trying to own the libs. Not the people I talk to, the people I talk to who don't want it, they have reasons. And I'm not gonna speak for Same them here, or man. make the case here. here, right? Yes. They're not Same like, here. I'm gonna own libs. They're like, I have these concerns and this is why and whatever. And they may be totally mistaken, it is possible. But the point is to demonize them. To me, is 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 disgusting. I mean, and it, how and insulting
1: it, is it to default and say that ninety nine percent of them are, uh, or
0: everyone they know is just the
1: the QAnon and on default. You know, the the the. Well, the, it's the, it's
0: nobody wants to take on the steel man. They all want to fight the straw man. They all want to say, "LOL, this guy's afraid of the chip, the microchip," or this guy. You know, they want to make it so stupid that you can demonize these people. I don't know if you saw the Black Mirror episode, Roaches, where they I hunt those, old. they hunt those guys, they hunt those people, and they have those really ugly distorted faces and yeah. everybody's like goes out on the hunt and kills them. And it's like, well, these are like subhumans and, and they're taking these pills and it turns out when the pills wear off and they couldn't get right. one, you see that they're just regular humans and but they've been sort of brainwashed to see them as these subhumans. And this is the story of every genocide and every uh, atrocity in human history. They demonize a group. We know who those groups have been in the past. And then they pick a group that we can scapegoat and hate Part of the vitriol I have on Twitter, because I'm even, even saying, look, I don't think people should be forced to take it, which is such a, a small. Oh, apparently, yeah. apparently it's blasphemy. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's such it, a small step. I'm not saying anything about the if efficacy. I'm not denying any of the, you know, the, the reported science. I'm not, I'm not arguing that at all. You know, I'm not even, I, I'm not the expert at that. And if you're taking my advice, a guy who loses the super contest every year on the science, that's a mistake. I do my own research, but I do not have a monopoly on anything. With respect to that. But all I'm saying is I think free humans who are completely healthy who make a risk calculation should not be punished. I mean, they have a punishment enough. I mean, if you think the vaccine is incredibly safe and effective, then their punishment is risking serious disease. They have a biological consequence of not taking it. But when people say there should be consequences, they don't mean a biological consequence. They mean a human consequence. You should get in trouble. You should be deprived of X, Y, and Z. And just even bringing that up, that it shouldn't be mandatory because I'm a heretic because I said this thing, that they are allowed to be nasty, to misrepresent what I said, to make up stuff about me, to libel me, to associate me with bad people. They, they think that's okay because I'm team bad. I've said the wrong thing. That's part of the scapegoating that's that's been encouraged by our leaders, by our media, by everybody. And I find that very scary Even just the teeniest deviation, and it's like, oh, no, no, it's open season on you, too. I don't have to play by the rules. I don't have to reason with you and make good points or respect you know, what you're actually saying and not make up something that you didn't even say because you're bad, because you're a heretic, because you said this horrible thing. I think it's very dangerous because ideas and content of ideas are not fire in a theater. It's not, oh, but if you say this and then people think, oh, I don't have to take it, and now I'm not going to take it, you do not restrict ideas because they could lead to this or that that's like saying if the heretic talks to other people then he's going to stop them from accepting god and we're all going to go to hell so we got to kill him now before he can say it and and that's the same mentality it's based in this sort of catastrophizing ideas and speech which i think is just an incredibly repressive and restrictive way to, to think about this kind of stuff
1: well said. You capitalize every other letter when you do your own research, though, Liz. Uh, yeah, that's the key yeah. question here. Well, but um, no.
0: well, I said this in the in the podcast with um with John, uh, the MLB uh, moving averages guy, that you know I, I got into this where it was like thinking for yourself was actually code for fascism and it's like no fascism is literally not being able to think for yourself you must recite what the authorities want you to recite and the people reciting what the authorities want them to recite are accusing me uh for for saying something else as being fascist it's just so through the looking glass and there's no reasoning with them there's no like showing them when i argue with some of these people and you see they're they're nasty pure nasty there's no like oh sorry you're right you didn't say that there's no acknowledgement of anything it's pure nastiness it's not for them. They're unreachable. Like if somebody responds like that, would you, it's not for them. It's for the people watching. Okay. Let's just see who I am and who they are. And the people that have bought in to the the religious faith that heresy is heresy, they will never see that. You know, they will just see, Oh, say whatever you want, destroy him, destroy him. But I think the people who are smart and and rational are going to see, and that's why I engage just so, so like onlookers can make a choice and say, Oh wow, look at these tactics. Look at this behavior. Is that yeah. something that I think is healthy and, and good for discourse course? And, and, you know, I, hopefully they'll say, no, it's horrible.
1: I'm going to talk to you more about this after we stop recording. But, yeah, it's been eye-opening to say the least to see how people have been treating you.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really – and, you know, and I don't go in their feeds. I'm not like, well, oh, I don't agree with this. I'm going to dunk on you and all this stuff. I mean, really. I, don't, I just stick to my own feeds. And I'll say the only thing that's disappointing a little bit to me, and I'm not saying anyone in particular, but in general, is – If I saw people treating someone I know and respect that way, like I would not associate with them anymore. Uh, It's okay if there's disagreements or arguments. That's totally cool. Like, okay, you think that's wrong. You're attacking the idea. You think this idea is bad. Here's why the idea is wrong. Savage the idea. I'm all for that. But impugning a person, acting like, you know, they're doing something wrong by, by saying something, to me, personally, I would just be like, eh, I wouldn't necessarily get involved with them and, and, you know, call them out. I might, but I might not depending, but I would just be like, that's, I would just be done with them. I would just be like, okay, that's a snake. That's a person who's, you know, I could be next. Like, what if I say the wrong thing? Who's next? That that's a person who's going to turn you in, man. That's a person. That's not your friend. That's a person who will turn you in. So, you know, that's just my opinion. That's the thing. That's been a little disappointing, but it is what it is. I'm shaking is. my I'm, head. I'm shaking my head up and down. Yeah, yes, yeah. man. I, I'm it's disappointing to me. And, and it's a free country. I, I'm not going to boss anyone around and say, you have to do this or you can't talk to this person. But I just saying, speaking from my perspective, that would be it. I would be done with them. <laughs> All right, well, well said. I think we, that was
1: great. Um, I, all I will say, just real quickly, it's pretty funny that like a couple months ago, I was like, why are you tweeting uh, asking for this? And where we are now is pretty funny. You've gone all in, pushing the chips all in. Well, I'm not and all
0: in. I mean, crazy. I'm really not, though. You know, I, I have right, to you say. are. Like, I mean, but. I'm no. incredibly restrained. I'm incredibly restrained. You think know, that, but nobody else is saying it. But I am incredibly fair. restrained. Totally. I am that's not fair. going all in. I am incredibly. Polite? Maybe you know, I feel that way because the reaction.
1: So maybe it's, it's not appropriate the reaction. You know, it's, it's not, not appropriate. Saying, it's, not, right? it's not. Yeah. So in my head, it's like, oh my god, he must be sick. Yeah. And I reject. I hear that. you. That's, yeah. fair. I, yeah, I that's not, fair. You
0: didn't do it on purpose, but I'm rejecting. Yeah. It no, that's I, no, that's fair. i know that's a good I'm point. Saying, I didn't think about. I'm, I'm having a civil conversation that is important to have. They are talking about these very severe measures, and I hear it fomenting hate against a group of people all the time. And one guy. I won't name him. I can't remember his name, but he was like, he was like, but don't you hate rednecks? You know, you know, he's like the stupid rednecks or something. And I'm like, substitute any other group for rednecks and see how that goes. And it's always the, the group you're allowed to hate at the time. There were groups that you were allowed to hate 50 years ago and 100 years ago that you're not allowed to hate now. But it's always the group that you're permitted to hate, that you that you especially should be look out for them. You know, because those are the people right now that the hatred is directed at. And in all of history, you always should have looked out for them and I see people thinking you could substitute one group for another and it's okay. Cause this one's permissible. Well, they always thought that every decade, they thought there was this, whatever group that it was socially acceptable to hate them, people would do that. And if you're thinking that you can say that publicly on Twitter and the guy said it on Twitter about a group, then be careful because that group bad things may happen to that group. And I think we should be really worried about that. You know, these are all human beings with families, every single person, every single person that you know with every different belief or that you see on twitter that you see walking down the street none of them caused the virus none of them funded the virus none of them wants to catch the virus none of them wants to spread the virus none of them they have different beliefs about how to handle the situation and some of them may be wrong and yours may even be right but remember the foundation of science is epistemic humility is not knowing not be positive if you are so positive that is the provenance of religion that's the provenance of fascism, fanaticism, being so certain of everything that you're right. And everybody else is an idiot. You may well be right. And you may have a good reason to believe that what you believe, but we don't know for sure. And don't demonize those who, even if they're totally wrong, are earnestly trying to handle a bad situation. I think it's really, it's not just screwed up. Like, Oh, it might hurt their feelings. Like that's not what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about, I mean, it's not nice, but I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about this stuff historically doesn't end with these are the bad people whose fault it is blame them it doesn't add it doesn't end with verbal blame historically it doesn't so be careful what you're fomenting and what you're talking about and who you think it's okay to point a finger at because this is you're playing with fire man well said let's let's end it on there now now you're also uh you're
1: prepared for when i throw these same exact questions to you on xm show tomorrow <laughs> X,
0: XM is a bit, X, yeah, not yeah not an X M but and sorry I'll say one last thing since we're not okay. recording next week. Imagine this though, okay, and just let, let's let's concede that the public interest. I think just saying this point is not crazy. I don't agree with it, but look, um, the, the public health interest. You know the science is pretty good. The public health interest outweighs the freedom interest. They can require you to take it unless you want to live in your basement basically like coerce you to the point where like you can't live your life without it so you're going to get it no matter what well and the grounds would be because people will die whatever even though i think there's some good evidence that people with the vaccine spread it, it mostly just really protects them against getting sick which is really good i mean that protects you against getting sick that's that's a pretty good argument but but let's say we figure this out i just thought of this the other day that you know men do most of the violence in society right i don't think that's a controversial Uh, thing to say and men have testosterone and they figured that if they give everybody a shot that reduces testosterone x percent of deaths and violent uh, crimes will go down so like violent crime will go down by as much as say covid you know deaths expected covid deaths if we if we give you this testosterone reducing shot now you may have a little less edge you may grow some man boobs but that if we were to reduce the testosterone by (laughs) 10 or 15 percent in the population we get x less deaths and they could probably show you know, across different properties. Maybe that's not true. I'm not, I don't even want to claim that this is scientifically valid. I'm just saying just hypothetically, forget about whether it's actually true. And they would say there's a compelling public interest for you to to have your testosterone reduced. I think that the Nuremberg code would just apply and you just say, no, if you want to, if you think that's important, you think you have too much, you're too aggro or something, and you want to, I think that should be available. It should be legal to do it. But to be compelled to me to, to take a medicine, against your will and it's the same you can make the same argument too so you can go one way slippery slope. let's say it's way more deadly let's say um it's way more uh it can it can have herd immunity it's a much more compelling case to force it but you can go the other way where what couldn't they do once you're forced to take whatever they say into your bloodstream what could they not make you do at that point once you accept that that i have to take whatever they say i have to take because it's going to save lives or it's for the greater good what else could be said for the greater good i just i just leave that hypothetical there i'm not going to answer it I'm just saying people are like, oh, it's a slippery slope. It's like, no, you, if the, just understand the principle because I, I think of history as any guide that the things that powerful people can do, they will try to do if it's to their advantage. Yeah, it's an interesting hypothetical. I'm saying to myself, but I'm not going to commit any crime. You know, I'm perfectly healthy. No. You know, I'm not a super no. spreader. I'm, a, I'm not sick. You know, I don't have anything to spread. But could I spread it eventually? Get it, not realize, spread it? Yeah, of course I could. Of course I could spread it. I think it's. I think the biggest thing in the hypothetical is you're not sick until proven healthy. You're not a disease vector until the government says you're not. A dangerous, enraged maniac male until your testosterone is removed. You're not a threat until proven otherwise. You are innocent until proven guilty. The pre-crime stuff, the, well, you know, I saw your Twitter posts and you know, you're, you have this much testosterone in your last checkup. And, you know, I, there's a 99% chance you're going to hurt somebody. We have to arrest you. You know, that kind of stuff where you're sort of a danger until proven safe. To me, that is a very dangerous precedent. And in this, in a free society, it's the other way. They have to have very, very good reason to specifically suspect you of being a danger, not just be part of a particular group. You're male and you're, you know, this age, um, that's not good enough. You know, and we've seen in the past the profiling by police of certain males of certain ages, and that was very unjust. People being grouped together by sort of a overall, you know, they would create a risk profile for somebody. And that was very unfair and very unjust. So I think that's the other side of the coin. You may be for one particular policy right now, but realize that not always the person you want will be in power and you're not going oh, like to imagine if it had been, if, if Trump was
1: with, uh, Yeah, I don't even want to get into that, but if, just, he read it, if, if he read have it. you seen the tweets to the Twitter thread of, of after when Trump started vaccines, they're all, Oh, who would take that being rushed and call And they were all right. the of comments course. are it going crazy. Opposite.
0: Yeah. a Different president, a different treatment, something you don't agree with powerful taking it further, you know, in terms of how much control they have over their bloodstream. I think your bloodstream is yours. You know, it's like you decide it or not. And, and, and I think it's very slippery, the way they sort of use the language of persuasion like here's why you should do it it's good for you whatever that's all totally valid when they think they're you should be coerced because that's that's duplicitous the, the reality is just say it doesn't matter what whether you think it's good or not it doesn't matter what you believe we're going to make you do it so forget about persuading you there's no point there's no there's no need to persuade you because you have to do this and then the other slippery thing is saying like, well, we're not going to make you do it. You just won't be able to leave your house. You won't be able to go get groceries. You won't be able to have a voice on social media. You won't be able to do just X, Y, Z. consequences. Yeah. You yeah. have to, yeah. the there's consequences, consequences for, for it. No, the consequences yeah. that we are enacting on you. <laughs> that's yeah. what the consequences are, which is basically like, we're not letting you do it. We're, we're, we're enforcing it. So I think that's a little slippery. Again, if you want to just say, look, I think it should be mandated. If necessary, hold someone down, then that's your position. History will be the judge of internets forever all right man well said let's good stuff um no wreck for you at the end here but
1: i'll keep with the dark theme uh get well soon bob odenkirk he uh passed out on the set of better call Saul yesterday and there's been some like uh, ominous tweets from cast members so man oh i really hope bob Bob odenkirk uh what was that what away. was a, what was a heart attack or something we don't know there has not been released to the public other than cast members just basically tweeting like have your thoughts and prayers oh so Jesus. i don't know i know he collapsed on set and rushed to the hospital ambulance and no news yet so so yeah kit wilson bob odenkirk yeah and and, and well said to listen everything on this podcast yeah, uh, man. uh yeah man good, good stuff I
0: appreciate it man I appreciate you coming on and uh
1: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not, 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 not being a nutless monkey yeah 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 for sure and, and, and yeah good stuff with the draft sorry to dominate you so hard just <laughs> all right man take it easy all right later man